Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Perth to Paisley podcast. Today we will be discussing Heart and Midlothian's scintillating stalemate away against Greenock Morton at Capilo. I am one of your hosts, Adam Kennedy, and I'm joined as always by Daniel McIver. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing very well despite the transgressions of our football team and the wider footballing world. Uh, how are you? <laughs> Um, I couldn't have put any better myself, mate. I'm literally in that exact same boat. However, we are delighted to announce um, that we've drafted in some help to discuss yet another uh, pitiful performance from Hart and Midlothian, a rank rotten result uh, in Renfrewshire, courtesy of the Energy Sports Hearts correspondent, Jamie McIntosh, who invited me onto the Energy Sport uh, podcast. So make sure you go and check that out. Jamie, how's it going, mate? Yeah, delighted to be uh, to be invited on. Thanks for having me on. Uh, still just about recovered from last night's uh, pretty dismal display in general, to be honest, from both teams. It wasn't a great game, uh, but I managed to watch the highlights back this morning. It uh, didn't take long, obviously. Uh, just, <laughs> a great watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty exciting. Edge of the seat action, I'm sure you would say. Now, for those that are sort of unaware of what you do, could you perhaps enlighten our listeners as to kind of the start of your your heart supporting career and maybe how you've ended up getting this this gig courtesy of Napier? Yeah, so I mean, supported hearts for uh, for all my life, much like kind of a more probably of an old fashioned thing passed down through the family. Um, dad was a hearts fan, and my my two older brothers are hearts fans as well. My sort of family on my mum's side were uh, were kind of hips fans really, but dad I think sort of must have taken charge and uh, made sure that I was I was going to be maroon. As for kind of getting into the games this season, I am on my third year journalism student at, at Napier University, and uh, Hearts have been great with us. To be fair, um, you just sort of apply for for press accreditation, and uh, and Phil obviously gets back to gets back to us and uh, and often says that that I'm able to go to the games. So. I think being in the championships helped because I know Hibs were a bit funny with um, with letting us in. The one of the boys is going to the game tonight, mind you. But I think uh, I think we've been pretty lucky. Maybe the Hearts have been in the in the championship for that. But yeah, I can't complain. It's been a, a really good gig, and it's just experience. Obviously, for me, it's a trade I'm looking to go into and uh, just getting to interview Robbie and the players, and obviously getting into the games where at a time where nobody else is as well is obviously a bit of a bonus as well, despite the football maybe not being the best at, at times. <laughs> of course, that's, uh, that's magic, mate. So I obviously spoke with with you and Sean on that aforementioned podcast where we dissected an article of yours titled Hearts, Should They Stay or Should They Go? However, on the day of release, uh, Hart Midlothian announced that Harry Cochran is to leave the club upon the expiration of his Hearts contract. Daniel, I'm going to come to you first of all. Are you surprised that this sort of former wonder kid, we might dub him, um, has, has been allowed to leave Gorgie for, for free, potentially a training fee, I believe? No, I'm really not. Um, he's not been getting a game from Montrose. And he was, uh, and apparently, because obviously I didn't really pay attention to him when he was there, but apparently he was rubbish at Dunfermline as well. I've got a, a guy I work with is a Dunfermline fan. And he was like, oh, wait, when, because it was that pairing of Cochrane and McDonald. And he was like, oh, when, when they arrived, we expected them to rip it up and do really well because we'd heard and seen kind of examples of both of them individually doing well and neither of them did. Um, I'm, re- I'm really, really not surprised. I, I think it's interesting that it's Harry making the decision and just 
what I mean by that is that I think a lot of people saw this, that Harry Crocker will be leaving the club and jumped on it in the sense of, for God's sake, why aren't we doing better with this? I don't think this is, well, it's clearly not an Andy Irvin situation where we're still in talks. Obviously, I don't think Irvin will sign, but the club have clearly made an effort to get Cochrane going, look, here's a contract. However, Harry himself has taken it and went, nah, you're all right. I'm going to do something there. And fair play to him, Mike. Um, I personally am fine with this because I've, I've never been part of the Harry Cochrane bandwagon as much as other people. I thought he's fine. I love that game against Celtic like everybody else. I can't really think of anything else he's done of note apart from one derby. Um, so I'm personally not as bothered by it as some people. Some people seem very bothered by this, uh, but I am not in that boat. Do you think it's sort of that fear that he'll go on and probably kick on as I'm pretty much inevitably expecting him to? Probably, but if he's choosing not to, there's not much we can do. And secondly... You can't just hold on to young players going, well, what if they turn good? It's like a lot of people are saying that about Josh Doig, obviously at Hebs. It's like, well, and I know when people go, who was keeping them out? Because who have we had through in that position? It's like, well, Aaron Hickey. And I know the argument you could use is, well, we should have kept him as well. But there is an element of it going, well, would Aaron Hickey have gotten the game time if Josh Doig was there, and then likewise, would Josh Doig have grown into the player that he currently is if he'd stayed at Hearts and just kind of been stuck in the academy? Sometimes it just doesn't work with certain players, and that can be youth players or that can be players at the top level. Like It just sometimes doesn't work. And I think Cochrane will go on to be a, a successful footballer in the game. I don't think he'll be as successful as many people are tipping him to be, but... I can understand, so as a result, sorry, I can understand why people are annoyed by it, but I, th- I think there's more, there's people I want to keep a hold of more from the academy, in my opinion. Jamie, would you go along with that? I mean, what do you put this down to? Do you, is it to do with Harry himself? Is it a lack of opportunities? Is there sort of a mentality issue? Because I don't think there's a definitive answer as to why he hasn't really kicked on. Yeah, I think it could probably be all of the above that you've just mentioned, really. Um, I'm probably much the same as Daniel, where I'm not massively in the Harry Cochran uh, camp, but I do think that the issue is kind of much bigger. When people kind of look at the problems at hearts, obviously recruitment is probably one that dominates, but I think surely the academy, the development of players in the academy has to be up there as well because there there aren't many players that have come through that academy at all in the last five, six, seven years, really. Um, obviously, Aaron Hickey being the main one. There's guys that have shown promise, like Harry Cochran at such a young age, and you've sort of thought, right, we should be able to tap into that kind of early potential that he's, that he's showed against Celtic and in, in other games as well. And we've just not really done that. And you can't, I think the writing was on the wall for, for some time now, obviously, and, and Daniel's right to say that he hasn't done much in his loan spells. And I think I'm not sure if it's down to an attitude problem. I don't think he's he's had many opportunities at Hearts. Maybe he's frustrated. It's obviously it must be difficult when you're a youngster um, to kind of try and keep your head keep your head focused on on the path ahead. And after he kind of you know burst onto the scene, 
in that kind of game against Celtic. And, you know, he was such a name then, you know, everybody in, in the country was kind of talking about him there um, at that time. It must be quite hard to keep a, a kind of a level head on things. And maybe he struggled with that. I don't know. But I think, um, you know, as I say, he's not the only player to, to have kind of shown early potential. And, you know, Hearts have obviously not been able to to develop him further. And ultimately he's, He's left for um, for well slim pickings if it's going to be a, a development fee, but you know there's others that are have been loaned out and are, are going to be going out the door probably in the summer as well for uh, for nothing. Of course, and it it makes me remind or it sort of makes my mind jump back to the time I think it was his dad was trying to get him in bed for nine o'clock, sort of as his name and reputation was uh, was growing, but I mean Daniel, Jamie, and I mentioned our thoughts on the podcast for Napier. I guess what I'm trying to ask you is who would you perhaps like to see leave alongside young Cochrane the most? Oh my God, that's a big question. Uh, probably two people that most fans will disagree with. Uh, I'd like to see Walker and Halliday gone uh, in terms of big people, mainly because I think that would be a lot of wages freed up. Not necessarily because I, I think they're the worst offenders in terms of playing ability, apart from Andy Halliday, who does also fit into that. Um, Walker can still do a job off the bench. I think there's an element, though, of him going, I don't want to be here just for that. I don't think Jamie Walker can start in a Hearts team anymore because he just gets lost when he starts. However, coming off the bench, he's very, very useful. I don't think he'll want to do that, though. So if that is the case, I'll be like, right, fine. You Both of yous, I'd, I'd hope, to leave, obviously, there's all the people out of contract who I'm just now assuming will leave, such as your fucking every. We've got so many goalkeepers, and most of them are leaving uh, in the summer. So I'm just kind of taking that as a given. It's a hard question because when we get beat, people go, I, I want to keep five of them. When we win, people go, Well, look, there's clearly a core there. If we just add here, there, and everywhere. Still looking for additions, mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, if if you if you asked me, you were, I was allowed one two one or two names to leave in the summer. It would be Walker and Halliday, and a lot of that is looking towards that's a lot of wages freed up to then be able to spend the people. Also, Gary Mackay Stevens a part of that. We'll obviously Lloyd get Demure. to it. Yes, Lloyd Demure is absolutely a part of that. Um, it's just players who have come in, not really impacted in the way we want, to, to be kind to them and to be truthful. Some of them have been absolutely atrocious and are such a financial burden on the club just now, particularly, for example, someone like Demur, who isn't even getting game time. It's different to GMS and Halliday and stuff like that who are playing badly, but you could at least argue, well, we're still getting a product out of them. Demur is getting reportedly big wages and is well as we all keep saying we don't even know if he's in the country he might be at home in France we don't know what's going on and it just kind of sums up the state of affairs just now at the club but those three or four that I mentioned for me the priority and most of it is financially motivated. Jamie of course you'll have been home and away with Hearts um, this season have you seen any glimpses from the players that Daniel mentions or are you sort of just willing to, to let them go should reasonable offers come in? I know Jamie Walker is certainly a, an interesting 
talking point. I think we both agreed that if an offer came on the table, we'd probably take it. Um, but what do you make of the kind of other so-called high earners not really pulling their weight so far? Yeah, I mean, I said that I would quite like to have almost seen Demur this season, just, you know, much much as you've kind of said there, Daniel, just because he's just so that we could see him. We could see he's still actually here at the club. Um, he's not just off on his holidays or something. Because, look, you know, it is the it is the championship. And sometimes, you know, Demure's obviously had a, a long injury. He was out the game for a long time. And Hearts obviously signed him and gave him a, a very silly contract. So you might as well at least try and see if you can improve him while you can. Um, obviously, we tried and failed to offload him, um, which probably tells you everything you need to know. Uh, he is on very high wages, apparently, as far as Hearts are concerned anyway. Um and yeah, I think Khaled is an interesting one. Adam, obviously you said you were thinking that he could possibly be a, a backup as a kind of left back for Stephen Kingsley if uh, if push comes to shove. He, he's a bit more versatile, shall we say, than uh, than others in that list that we've just mentioned. Mackay Stephen is another one that I'd said it's kind of his postseason. So maybe give him another season. But yeah, the jury's definitely out on all of them. But uh, definitely Demur, I think for me, would be the main one uh, also financially. Uh, motivated and yeah I think Walker obviously he's done well off the bench but you know obviously going up to the premiership now um, I, I think Jamie Walker's days are numbered so yeah I'd, I'd go with Demure and Walker personally. Of course if you want to catch the rest of that discussion you can head on over um, I think it's on Spotify and kind of all the major uh, podcast platforms isn't it Jamie? Yeah, exactly. Yeah so we'll also we- link it in the description of this so it'll be the top line of the description. So make sure you go and check that out. And of course, it goes without saying, the talk of the tune calls are still ongoing. They're, I think Tam um, from This Is My Story hosted a, a watch along yesterday. Yeah, so I, I really feel for him given it wasn't uh, the biggest spectacle. But we are going to dissect the Morton match or what we can of the Morton match. we have match. to? <laughs> well, we, we have to try and fill it. I mean, this is what I was sort of trying to touch on. I... I, I know that this is going to be a shorter episode than usual, but let's be frank. I mean, what material have they given me <laughs> away, away to Morton to work with? Um, however, Robbie Nielsen was asked in his, his pre-match press conference about the pressure being lifted, having now won the league, which explains why we were perhaps lax against uh, the ton. Um, when he then goes on to talk about finishing the season in style... Would it be fair to say that your confidence increased heading into this one, Mr. McIver? No. Are you being serious? We've been complaining all season about going, this team don't look motivated. And that was when there was something to win. I don't understand where people started going, oh, now that they've won it, they'll really start playing. It's like, no, now that they've actually won it, they're just going to go, all right, okay, that's just done. Cool. I was saying, I wanted let me just start doing challenges amongst themselves. I wanted them to go, right, between the 60th and 70th minute, the ball can't touch the ground. Everybody, they keep you up. I wanted them to just, Michael Smith to just do roulettes past folk. That's the only way he can move around the park. Chuck Craig Gordon up front. These games don't matter. That's, that's another aspect of where I think this discussion is going to go for me. I don't care about last night because... I know the argument will be, and it's a fair one, to go, no, listen, we need to be using these final three games to build confidence and momentum. I don't think you can do that when a lot of that squad know they're not going to be here next season. Even after a 6-0 win last weekend? Yes, because that, I think, was the game where... Mainly because of how terrible we'd been 
in recent weeks. I think the squad were like, right, we'll do this at home against the worst side in the division. They're basically already relegated side and then they were relegated the next day. We'll do that at home, have a great performance, and then that will give us allowance to then do nothing for the remaining three games. I mean, Jamie, Robbie spoke about a, a tough fixture at Capelo. I am going to be honest, let's be frank. I mean, it is a meaningless match for us. Do you feel as though Robbie was sort of using that as a kind of deflection tactic when he was asked about the, the summer ahead and our premiership preparation? this whole Morton match being sort of at the forefront of his mind, or do you think that there's more to it and that he's looking for recruits um, in the summer? I think he knows he's under pressure. Um, I think that, you know, had Hearts gone and won 5-0 last night, I don't think it would have changed the opinion of, of supporters because you're right, it was a nothing match and I'm much in the same boat as Daniel where I'm not overly bothered about the result. But I think it tells you everything you need to know about the players' kind of mentality, really. Um, because, you know, as, as we've already touched on, a lot of these players are kind of out of contract and kind of playing for their future. If it's not at Hearts, it's at another club. Obviously, it was a game that was on the telly. And, you know, if you had another, another manager in, in Scotland watching that game last night, you're not impressed by, you know, any of the, the Hearts kind of performances last night. So I, I think it tells you kind of more you need to know about the players and the, the kind of mentality and, and how much they're, they just don't seem to really be bothered. Um, as I say, you know, I, I thought they were maybe playing for contract, but uh, no, you could tell pretty early on last night that it wasn't going to be, uh, wasn't going to be a very good harsh performance. On that point, actually, sorry, before Adam, you move on. That's a, that's a really good point because I think a lot of people in the kind of hearts bubble have rightly, rightly, before I say this, focused on Nielsen and being like, listen, need to get rid of Nielsen because you can't change 22 players kind of thing blah, blah, blah. we need to get Nielsen out we need to get the boards changed and stuff like that and then we can move forward what I think a lot of it, that does is whilst it is very fair I don't think enough of a spotlight is put on these players because that's such a good point Jamie where it's like yeah I was just kind of thinking of as what do they have to play for they're done but yeah a lot of them will be gone next season how can you argue to a club you should sign me when they've just seen that kind of performance last night well Robbie spoke about sort of players playing for their future but if that's the case I mean I was therefore pretty surprised to see kind of an unchanged lineup I thought that he'd maybe dish you know a chance out to a fringe player or two would you both go along with that no, because just purely because he said he wanted to finish it in style. If he hadn't said that, then yeah, I would be like, all right, okay, we're going to see more of the French players. We're not going to take risks. We're not going to go full strength and stuff like that. But when he said, I want us to finish the season in style, and then he spoke about, like, Boyce wants to get a 20, uh, Suter wants to get all these minutes, Nand really wants to keep up his good form, I was like, that means for these last three games, we're playing full strength. I mean, the game is a dead rubber. You know, I've said that on numerous occasions on a plethora of platforms, but does that not make it sort of that little bit more frustrating that they can't even be bothered for this or seem to be bothered for this? Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> I think it's hard to argue otherwise. You know, that that's that's the main frustration that I've got in the in the sense that we probably should be looking to make up performance-wise for the last few weeks, given our results. 
and we've been dealt, you know, a fantastic hand in terms of the fixtures. We had the bottom side at home, practically relegated them. We've then got the side directly above them, albeit away from home. And I know that hearts aren't great from home, but statistically speaking, they're the second best in the division away from home. So is that true? No, it is. That's fucking mental. How shit is this week? <laughs> but but the but then we've just drawn nil nil away to one of the worst sides in this league. The pitch is terrible, like. Oh my god! <laughs> the, listen, the surface isn't great, and that's obviously how I got into inviting Jamie on here. But it's the same for both teams. I will say, obviously, we're going to move on to what Nielsen says after it in a bit. But I will say, the first thirty seconds. I thought it was a artificial pitch because whenever they were playing a pass, it looked like all the wee sand and like yeah. astral balls were going up. And I was like, have they changed the pitch since the last time we were here? And I was like, oh my God, no, it's just an apps. That's the worst pitch I've seen this season. And I include Brora's pitch in that. Like, I, I disagree, obviously, where Robbie is like using the surface as an excuse and stuff like that. But it's the one game I can kind of understand it because that was how have they played on that? I mean, it kind of explains why they are where they are. And I was going to say with our financial troubles and whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It. it, I mean, the the surface was was rank, but (laughs) let's be let's let's just get straight into the game because an unchanged side. I was you know somewhat optimistic, but the fact that Hearts go and tweet a sort of clean sheets and a, a handshake goals with a photo of Craig Gordon and Armin Nandwili side by side before our opponents hit the post <laughs> with a minute on the clock is the most heart of loathing thing that I have ever seen. In fairness, um, he did keep a clean sheet. He <laughs> did, but, but it could have been gone after 40 seconds because all it is is a long ball over the top from a Morton free kick. Calvin Orsay latches onto a flick on, smashes the woodwork, would you say that we were rather fortunate to remain uh, goalless at that early stage, Jamie? Yeah, I reckon. Um, it was weird. He went. I think he went with his right foot, and obviously he was on the left hand side of the goal. So obviously, I kind of thought he'd gone with the gone with his wrong foot. Um, but it was a really good effort, actually. As I say, I watched the highlights back earlier and kind of saw it from a from a better angle. But yeah, I was a wee bit surprised to see him kind of take it the way he did, but nearly caught Gordon out it. Well, what would have been his near post, but he was uh, he was certainly beaten there. But yeah, it was just so simple. But you've seen it all season. I mean, you, you saw it last season as well. It's just a ball in behind. Like I don't know what they work on it, like defensive training, but it's no rocket science. You just drop a ball in behind parts, and you're basically in on goal. It must have just been inspired by by Liam Boyce against Alloa. But it's funny you mentioned that because I noticed Robbie touting Craig Halkett for a potential Scotland call up. Um, you know. Today? Rest, assur- rest assured, continue to defend like that. And the only caps that he'll come close to is the hat section that he's nearest JD Sports. But Daniel, why? I mean, like Jamie says, how have we not learned these same mistakes defensively yet? There was also a moment, I think, in the second half where it almost happened again. And how could, like, he just got so easily turned. The guy just, I don't think it was Orsi at that point. I think it was, I can't mean to it was. But it was just another ball over the top and Halkett just got absolutely done and the guy was actually a bit stupid. He should have just hit it or kept going and he probably would have got a penalty because Halkett was all over him. But it's like we've said before, Halkett's been very lucky this season that often the worst player in the park has been his partner 
So he's looked better as a result because it's like, well, look at what his opposite his partner's doing. At least he's not doing that. But to answer your question, I I almost don't know. There might be an element that it's like, well, on the flip side of last season where they were so terrified to let Joe Pereira do anything, there might be the safety blanket that's kind of working against us where they're like, well, listen, if we make a mistake, it's fine because Craig's in goals. And it's like, well, that's not the right attitude to have. And also, fundamentally, Suter is the only one who's a good centre-back. Smith is as well, but it's not his natural position, obviously. Uh, but in this system, it is. But Halkett as a sweeper, I don't think works properly because he was the middle of the three. And whilst obviously it's clear for everybody to see, Suter and Smith are definitely better with the ball. So it makes sense for them to come out on the left and the right-hand side, respectively, that they're the ones bringing the ball out. But then last night, Smith didn't really do that. Smith kept getting in positions where he could drive, and he just didn't. But it means Halkett has to sweep, and you kind of need to have an element of pace, or your positioning needs to be spot on. And I don't think Halkett has enough of either of those things to be a functioning sweeper. Jamie, you've obviously been very vocal in your your criticism of of Craig Halkett. Has he been sort of the most frustrating figure for you on the park this season? Or can you think of anybody off the top of your head that boils your blood more than he does? Nah, to be honest, I think they're as as critical as I have been, I think there's there's players that have annoyed me more. Um but I've definitely been most disappointed with Halkett. The thing I will say before I forget is the the thing with uh, Robbie Nielsen tipping Halkett for a Scotland call. It was actually back in October, but it was doing the rounds on on Twitter uh, oh, Twitter geez. last night. But it was back in October. I, I, I saw that this morning before work, so that's yeah, yeah. So that did that, <laughs> so did that. And I, but I knew I knew it wasn't from the now. Um, I knew it was from from last year at some point. It was October, I think. So. Oh, well, that's they, what they, I will say. That go, makes folks, far yeah. more sense because I was like, when has he said that? Because <laughs> what in recent weeks has shown him to be that? There you go. There's your up to the minute news, folks, as yeah, it breaks. Yeah. Um, listen, lads, you know that I'm critical of, of Hearts' highlight package duration, but obviously, usually it goes without saying that the shorter the highlights, the less action that there is. So when I saw four minutes, I was left rather encouraged. However, the second highlight is a header that Liam Boyce flicks on to literally nobody before it trickles out <laughs> for a Morton goal kick. I mean, talk about clutching at straws. Um, it shows an Andy Halliday corner. which it is showed the corner as well, yeah. I was just yeah. going to say that. <laughs> before he then sends another cross in for John Suter, which is ultimately headed behind. I mean, these highlights... Th- they may I mean, show yeah. us sort of somewhat on top. It can't be a serious indication, though. I mean... We don't, we don't even get a shot away, so was it just a case of our final ball letting us down? Why, Jamie, why offensively did we continue to struggle in this match? I, I don't know, to be honest. I couldn't tell you. There was no real penetration in that team, though. Um, no real creativity. The, the pitch, I don't want to go back onto it. The pitch was pretty bad, though, to be fair. <laughs> you could see it. Um, and Daniel's right, it was so sandy. Oh, my goodness. I've not yeah. seen a pitch like it, like that. It was like a beach. Yep. And a couple of times, the highlight in the first half for me was uh, John Suter played a, a crossfield switch out to Shea Logan. And he tried to, like, side foot it back inside. And I don't know if his, his stud got caught in the ground or something, but he dug a massive hole in yeah. the ground. And it was the only reason I know this, because it was right in front of me. 
and it was it was literally about a foot deep in the in the ground there. It was just like sand. There was like nothing under the turf. I've not seen anything like that. So I think the pitch probably has got a lot to do with that, to be fair to Robbie. But you saw Morton caused us problems by just going long. Both teams had like three centre backs playing. Um and like we tried to have boys Nondwee and Henderson like up there kind of like against them but to be honest they were pretty comfortable defensively they defended well to be fair to them they they worked really hard they just worked harder they uh, they just seemed to want it a bit more and that makes sense they've got a lot more to play for than us um but as i say earlier i probably expected a bit more from the players not necessarily because I expected them to be here next season, but you know they, they're not just going to go and retire. They're now you know they're they're trying to get to other clubs after that. So I kind of expected a, a wee bit more from Hearts creatively. I mean, it's amazing that the side that has conceded the third most goals at home in the league can shut us out. It speaks total volumes, and I mean, no passing. Or sorry, no penetration. A lack of creativity. I mean, where have I heard this before, Daniel? Yeah, it, I think. Listen, I. Again, I say this every week. People on Twitter always support you and come at me when we get beat or drop points. And then they're very quiet when we win at me for some reason because they think that I'm like this messiah for Nielsen and stuff like that. I don't. I just, I'm not as angry and emotional as you and as a lot of members of the Hearts fan base is. That's purely because I don't care as much this season as what I've done. But I fully agree that it is an issue that we just seem to not... It's not even that we don't know how to execute a plan B. It's that we don't have a plan B in place. It's, no, plan A will work eventually. It's fine. <laughs> and I don't... Because obviously that can a lot of time mean shape. And obviously we've changed the shape. We've went to this uh, three at the back, which people have been crying out for. I don't mean that. I mean, in our style of play, there was, as I said earlier about Smith, there were so many times where Smith could have just picked the ball up, as he did, because Smith had so many. Smith and Suter must have had the ball more than anybody. They could have just drove into space. Suter did it once, and Morton shit themselves. And it's like if you run at these players, they don't know what to do. They set up in banks, and they ask you to break, like break us down with passes, or or you're going to have to go long, and we'll deal with that. What you do is just run at them. I'm not saying just completely abandon passing and stuff like that. And whenever anybody gets the ball, charge into the heart of it. But if one player takes the ball, such as your ball carrying centre halves, like Suter and Smith, if they run into the middle, it drags players into them and it allows the wing backs in the form of either Haldi on the left or Logan on the right, more space on, on the flanks. And the fact that we just don't do it and that just every single pass is get the ball, turn, either play it backwards or a parallel to who you are. And it's almost like that safety net where it's like, well, I didn't lose it. It's fine. I made my pass completions class. It's like, I, I, I have no issue with players misplacing passes if they try to do something. Suter kept trying to switch it to Logan, as Jamie mentioned. And a couple of them didn't come off, but it was like, I don't care because you're trying to do something. I'd always rather that than just... Because otherwise, if you just got to pass it back to either the guy you received it from or the guy behind you, there's no point in you receiving that ball because we're still in the exact same situation. Would you say that Robbie perhaps got it tactically wrong then if you're talking about sort of running at the opponents? I mean, why, if we've just discovered this 3-5-2 and it's great and that everybody, you know, 
it suits the personnel that we've got available. But again, in the wing-back areas, I, I didn't really see us driving all that much. Should we have perhaps gone back to a 4-2-3-1, a 4-3-3, something to get sort of wide players involved? Or I will, I will am I just say, overthinking it? I've just said all that, right? And this is the one podcast where I'm probably going to defend it. I don't know if you can do that on that pitch. I don't know if oh you can take God. a big like, touch. because like Robbie's it, here. But that's the thing. I don't know if you can go, right, if I'm Shea Logan, I don't know if you can go, I'm going to take this ball down and drive because you could take one step and it bubbles out. You could take one step and it, you put a one foot hole in the sand kind of thing. Like there is an element of if that was at Tynecastle, or, even, or genuinely, at any other ground in the league, I think it would have been better. I'm not saying we would have won. I don't think we would have. But I think we would have been able to create more chances because we would have been able to actually play football. On that pitch, he kind of can't. And Morton didn't. Morton were good in what they needed to do, but they did. that was why they were good. They just went, we're not going to play football. We're just going to keep going the long ball because we know that works. Bear in mind, though, that this is a side that held us at home when we, quote-unquote, had something to play for, and a side that's failed to score in nearly half of their home league matches this season. Why, 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 does it, why do we always have to come out with an excuse? Why can't we just say we got it tactically wrong or whatever? Because I've, I've got to be honest here, I actually thought they were the better side, and I don't know whether that's just me being harsh. Would you I disagree. I, just, I disagree. I think just both teams were pretty rubbish. Jamie? I thought they probably had the better chances, but I'm not really sure they were necessarily the better side. I'm not sure what they, you know, they created one or two better openings probably, but I'm not sure I would say they were necessarily the better side. It was just a terrible game, really, on the whole. Maybe maybe I'm being harsh then, but I, I just thought that they had the better first half opportunities. I mean, there's one where their centre half is at Big McLean, up yeah. from the back, hits one straight at Craig Gordon and probably should score, given that he's sort of dead centre, near enough on the penalty spot. And it speaks volumes that a non-dwelly clearance, which ricochets off the same player um, before Craig Gordon eventually collects, is considered a highlight. It just, I mean, I know that there's been many uh, a shocking spectacle. Where does this rank for the pair of you, sort of, in your heart season so far? Jamie, I'll go to you first, because you've been in and around the grounds. Where does this rank for you? Um... I think the the Alloa defeat in the the Betfred Cup was oh, probably God. probably number one. Um, I wasn't at Brora, as you can probably tell. Um, I'd say Alloa was number one. I, do you know what? Like as I said earlier, I I genuinely wasn't that wasn't that bothered last night. I certainly wasn't as angry as I was after like the Queen of the South uh, mm-hmm. Queen of the South defeat or the Rafe defeat or that. Good grief. <laughs> Mr. McIver? Oh, it's nowhere near the top because I'm the exact same as you. I just didn't care. Like, I'm not going to be more annoyed at a nil-nil away draw when we've already won the league when in a season where, as Jimmy said, we've been knocked at the League Cup at Alloa, been knocked at the Scottish Cup by Brora, got beat by Wraith at home, got beat by Queen of the South at home. Like, a nil-nil draw that we'll never remember against Morton does not get me annoyed. I, do, I physically cannot get annoyed at that game of football. Cheers, folks. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, oh, maybe I'm just I'm just overthinking it because I look at it and I just think, 
Hearts had more shots in three minutes of the second half than the entirety of the first period. Like that's what? funny though. You have to laugh at that. You have to just go, that's class. Like that's just objectively funny. But I, I mean, I, I feel as though I'll need to refresh most people's memory, like going through these. But Shay Logan sends a long ball. It's nodded clear, only as far as Aaron McInef. He and Big Nando link up before Andy Halliday's eventually freed down the left-hand side. Centres for Ewan Henderson, whose initial effort is blocked. Bounces back to the Frenchman before a smart stop from Aidan McAdams. That was quite literally it. How can it be this bad? Just Even Kyle Jacobs heads one over the bar in the Hearts TV package, and then we skip half an hour. It's yeah. like the, the, <laughs> Nays- the Naismith flick. Then before Nandrili's deflected effort sails over the bar, and that's it. It's finished. That's amazing. Honestly, if you have not watched the highlights package, go and do so now. <laughs> it is a great giggle, but I don't want to keep harping back to the manager's pre-match presser, but he did speak about wanting to maintain kind of a consistency of performance with regards to next season. Does it not worry you that we can't manage that in this division, Daniel? Or do you think that there's perhaps a greater incentive in in our next campaign because we'll be up against some, you know, trickier teams, if you like. Yeah, listen, I've always thought that this season won't affect how we play next season, purely just because I think the championship is so bad and the the way the premiership games are are different. And then, out of nowhere, I was backed up on this claim by the most unlikely source in Kevin Nisbet, where Kevin Nisbet just went... He found it harder to play in the championship because there's less space in behind. You can't break teams down as easy. And he was quoted as saying, through Craig Gordon, he's quoted as saying, it's harder to play against Morton away than it is at Hamilton or St Mirren away, which are teams that people have used to go, well, Hamilton will do the same. St Mirren will do the same. And I'll go, I get that. I definitely get that. However, I'd say even those sides, you get more space in behind because they're still trying at least to slightly push and the quality the games are faster they're a higher quality I think if if the championship actually affected the way we play it's it's a much bigger issue and because of the fact that so many players are going to be different I, I don't think the last three games once we've won the league already, we'll have much of an impact on how we play next season. Well, I was going to ask exactly that. I take it it's just because, for you, the league's done and so it doesn't really matter what happens in these. Yeah, and genuinely, all I'm, the only pos- thing I'm looking for is that John Suter doesn't get hurt and Peter Herring doesn't get hurt. That is, I'm not exaggerating. That is it. I don't care if we have another, if Inverness and Wraith finishes 0-0 or we even get beat because... For me, it doesn't affect the season one way or another. We've been pretty rubbish for most of it. These final few games aren't going to change that. Jamie, would you go along with that? What's your your kind of overriding thoughts ahead of next season? Yeah, I think that's the thing. You know, as I say, Hearts could have won you know five 0 last night, and it you know it wouldn't have changed the opinion of of all the fans with regards to Robbie Nielsen and the style of play and the team and the Hearts hierarchy. It doesn't matter. Uh, it wouldn't have changed anything. You speak about you know consistency. I think last night was a consistent Hearts performance. It was just you know consistently rubbish as uh, as it has been for the majority of the away games this season. So um, yeah, 
the, the thing I will say is I'm not re- I'm not really sure the Premiership is that good right now. I, I think you know, like I saw Michael Stewart. I think he'd come out and said that Hearts could uh, Hearts could get you know top six. Hearts will get top six rather, and you know could get third in the league if you know they they spent a wee bit of money or recruited a bit better. And, I, you know, it was kind of met with quite a lot of backlash. And, you know, that's fair enough because Hearts have been absolutely terrible this season. But there's not many teams that I kind of fear in the Premiership. You know, like, if Hearts can't, you know, obviously there's a big if Hearts need to improve. We know that. But, you know, Hearts were going to need to do that anyway, you know, with stepping up a division. Um, you know, this team isn't good enough for the Premiership. I'm not sure there would be many that would, would disagree with that. But I just can't, you know, look at Aberdeen and, you know, fourth spot there now. You know, they can't score a goal apart from that Livingston Cup game. You know, they've barely scored in the league in the last, you know, 10, 11 games. So, and, you know, obviously we've showed that over the years, we seem to usually can have the have the um, the better of things against our rivals. So I don't think there's an awful lot to fear. I would kind of fear somebody like St. Johnston or Livingston over, um, over like in the Hibs or Aberdeen, to be honest. Someone think, emerging out of nowhere, kind of. Yeah, exactly. I think so. Um, so look, you know, we, we need to recruit better. We know that, but uh, I think if they can they can do that this summer, then I think I think Robbie Nielsen might start win over a few of the fans if he can get some good signings in in the summer and start the season well. I think Hearts could could have a good uh, good season next year. I fully love, agree with that because I, I was going to say I, I, I love the emphasis on could there. I was going to exactly say to to you, Daniel, you agreed with that. I, I wanted you to elaborate, so by all means. Yeah, like last week and I think the week before as well. I said the top six in the championship are very comparable to the bottom six in the Premiership in terms of I would expect Dunfermline to go up and be as good as Motherwell have been this season. I'd expect Inverness to go up and be as good as Kilmarnock have been this season. Like they're two of the biggest underachievers, though, really, if we're being honest. But that Mother makes it, Kelly. But that's what I mean. That proves it even more. Like in the sense of what Motherwell's terrible season is, I think Inverness would do the exact same, and it would Inverness would almost be going. This isn't good enough for the size of us. I know that they've been in the championship for a while now, so staying in the division would be good enough for them. But in the sense of when on commentary last night, I can't remember who was alongside Michael Stewart doing the commentary. Uh, was it not Alistair Lamont? Potentially. But when Alistair was like, oh, hearts need to get this right, otherwise they'll, they'll worry about going straight back down. I hate that I'm agreeing with Michael Stewart, but I kind of <laughs> liked how Stewart just kind of went, no, they'll be fine. Like, I'd, I don't get this argument that I, we're going I, to go straight back down. Uh, honestly, I can't believe that you're saying this given this very podcast. Yeah, I know beef, this. And beef with Michael Stewart yeah, regarding Crystal Perra and his performances. I cannot stand Michael Stewart's opinions as a pundit. I can't stand him as a player either. Like, go away. I'd be happy if he never did punditry again. But or spoke about politics either. He does my nothing. <laughs> but this is the thing, though. We're not getting into politics, but I kind of align more with Stewart. No, I, no, it, it's nothing to do with these ideas. It's just the frequency, like you see it all the time. <laughs> like, give it a rest, Michael. But his point was, in my opinion, totally right. I don't think the worry that we have is, oh, have we got to stay in the division? Because bluntly, you don't get relegated if Craig Gordon's your goalkeeper. Even if you've got 12, 14-year-olds on the uh, 10 in front of you and two on the bench, I don't care. You don't get relegated if Craig Gordon's your goalkeeper. And 
as Jamie said, the if we have a good window, there is no reason why we shouldn't be competing at the top end. No reason at all. It, it's funny you say that about Gordon because I can recall chatting to somebody, I think it might have been even on Gogsy's stream, about a, a, the importance of a good goalkeeper. I also think, Jamie, you're probably going to say that Liam Boyce has been our, our best outfield player this season. I, I just look at the bottom of the Premiership just now and I think Kilmarnock signing Kyle Lafferty, ultimately they've brought a, a talisman in there, somebody that they can you know kind of hang their hat on, so to speak. I don't see that with Ross County, given Jordan White, Billy Mackay and Ollie Shaw have all pretty much underperformed in front of goal. Big Og Compo has been injured for, for Ackies. Bruce Anderson has, you know, contributed a fair few, but he's only on loan from Aberdeen. I don't fancy David Moyle. Do you think as though, we obviously will need additions, of course, but do you think it's perhaps most imperative that Craig Gordon and Liam Boyce have a stellar campaign at both ends of the park? Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, I think you're you're right to highlight a lot of the, the players that you've highlighted there. Um, I, I think that if Kilmarnock hadn't signed Kyle Lafferty, they'd probably go down. But now I think that, you know, he's popped up with a few goals. Uh, some have been in the Scottish Cup, but, you know, he's he's popped up with a few goals. The thing Fair about Bruce league, Anderson, yeah. the thing about Bruce Anderson is he seems to have kind of changed the way Aki's actually play as a team. Like I've watched Aki's a couple of times now recently and thought, oh, wow, they they, they actually have played some quite nice stuff. Um Whereas kind of before when they had Ogunpo and Moyo, it, you know, it was just long balls, but they kind of had, when they went two up front, they, they tried to kind of, Anderson sort of ran off um, ran off his kind of strike partner. And mm-hmm. it was just a bit different. It just changed up. Um, and I, I really thought Anderson kind of um, revitalised that kind of Aki's attack because they did look kind of doomed. And as Hamilton always do, they've kind of given themselves half a chance now. You're right to kind of mention the bottom half of the premiership and the kind of top half of the championship not being so good and it's been highlighted in the Scottish Cup games recently that we've kind of just seen you know Park Thistle I know they're in League One but you know they gave Dundee United a good game at Tannadice it was you know 2-1 to United as well yeah exactly so that was a one goal game Inverness beat St Mirren uh, sorry St Mirren beat Inverness um, by one goal it was a late goal Inverness beat Ross County in the Cup obviously uh, Dundee, uh, St. Johnson only beat Dundee by a, a one-goal margin. I think Livy only beat Rafe by a one-goal margin. And Motherwell went to penalties with, with Morton. So, you know, I think you're absolutely right to kind of highlight the fact that the step-up maybe isn't that big. I can't really decide if it's a big step-up or not. I, I kind of keep sort of changing my mind on it. But you sort of look at some of those results. I know they're one-off games, but I, I'm maybe starting to think that the, the step-up to the Premiership isn't that big. Yes, Jamie. Come on, I, my bandwagon. I, mean, I don't be fuck off. <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll find out kind of over the summer with the additions that we bring in as well. But of course, in one of our two remaining championship wait, 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 games. Wait, wait, wait. Actually, on that point, I wasn't going to mention this, but I want to mention it now. Can we speak about a potential addition that people seem to just be panicking over and I don't really understand? That being that boy for Forfer. What's his name again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Roberto Inditi is at the centre. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. It. So, listen. Can I just say I covered four for Dundee United. Wasn't all that impressed. I just thought it was a terrible game. So. Well, this is the thing. I actually watched that game and went, he doesn't look at a place against them. You, but 
you never watch other I know, Scottish football. I know. I couldn't believe it. I watched that one game, and then the next day we were linked to him, and I was like, right, I now need to start watching Barca so we get linked with Messi. That's the plan. Um, but I, I just don't understand the kind of anger towards it. Listen, I'm not saying this boy will come in and suddenly be 17-18 Christoph Berra, 05-06 Presley. Like... I'm not saying he's going to come in and fix all our centre-half problems, but the kind of... I don't know what to call it. Dismissive attitude. Almost. Yeah, and almost arrogance of, oh, well, he's at Forfar. He can't be good. Like, what? We got Craig Levine for Cowden Beef. We got Andy Webster for our broth. Like... We got Mihai Popescu from that Bucharest team and I, but, a, a fantastic <laughs> centre-half for St Mirren and he's been utter pish. Yeah, but this guy hasn't been touted as this great guy. He's a young That's player coming through. And it's I just personally don't understand why people were going, this is proof that Nielsen needs to go. That's your proof. Not that <laughs> not all that we've just seen this season. It's that he might be signing a guy for a young guy for Forfar as well. It's not like a 30-year-old going, Oh, we'll get him in. Then I would understand going, really? That's the answer. But by that logic, we can never sign a young player from a team below us. I, I, I also had um, David Templeton, was it, from Stenhouse Muir in my head as well. Yeah. But, I mean, Jamie, did you catch uh, the Loons versus United in the Cup? Did you did you get a glance at this young man? I watched a little bit, um, but I, I can't really say I, I paid close attention to, uh, to him specifically because obviously the kind of story came out after that game, I think. So, uh, no, I can't say I paid too much attention. Quite right, because it was a drab affair. So we're just going to move yeah. on to the Inverness game now. Um, <laughs> I think that's important to mention, a.k.a. Liam Corbett going, this is proof that Nielsen needs to go. That's mental. So you're atting Corbett specifically? Atting here. Corbett. I'm in the middle of this beef and I don't particularly want to Exactly. On. It's your podcast partner versus <laughs> your big brother. What are we going to do? Moving on. We, we welcome Inverness <laughs> Cali Thistle to tie Castle on Saturday. Um, Jamie, I'll come to you first of all. What are you kind of anticipating? Are you sort of set for the same 11 again? Do you think that Robbie will give the likes of Scott McGill a chance from the start as opposed to off the bench like he did last night? What, what do you think? Yeah, the, the McGill one's interesting. Obviously, he uh, he came off the bench last night, and that was the first time I think we've seen him. Minutes, can I just say sorry? Yeah, yeah. What's he meant to contribute in that? <sighs> exactly. Um, it does make you wonder, though, really, doesn't it? Um, that's the first time I think we've seen him since November. So wow. he might he might start. I mean, the, the logical thing would be to sort of bring him off the bench and then start him. So now that he's maybe had fifteen minutes under his belt um, <laughs> on that pitch, maybe getting back to Tynecastle on Saturday on a better surface and. And uh, and maybe given the given the nod from the start, I uh, I expect Inverness to beat us on Saturday. Um, Interesting. I, it's nothing to do with with Hearts um, personally, though. I I just think Inverness have got again got more to play for. They're they're flying, aren't they? They're just the form team, aren't they? Especially yeah, in the league. Really obviously, lost to St. Mirren in the cup, but they're just the form team now. And uh, who are they missing though? Because they've got two guys sent off. Uh, they're missing. Uh, Brad Mackay and Scott Allardyce, I think. Right. There's two Mackays in that team, though. I think it was Brad Mackay that got it sent off. It was Brad Mackay because I was Cause, gutted because Young like, Daniels, oh, the decent there. one, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He and Young return. Daniels, the uh, the the main man, arguably for them. But Mr. McIver, you're obviously 
firmly on the, the Scott McGill bandwagon. As I we've seen started through, this fucking bandwagon. Through, through various tweets. Um, what what did you make of him getting his, his glorious quarter hour to try I got I got so excited on Twitter. <laughs> I saw that he was coming on and I just got so excited. But I agree. What's he ready to do in that time? So I hope he gets the captaincy on Saturday. Uh, I hope he starts. I hope he's never dropped again. He's the best midfielder we have. Oh, are you expecting him and like the rest of his teenage pals to kind of take to the field in this sort of lie down special relationship? Oh yeah, of course. Of course, I forgot about this. I hope we do. I hope we get battered. I hope. They, is there goal? Does goal difference? Do Inverness need goal difference to go in their way at any point? Well, I think the the draw with Dundee is probably the worst result imaginable obviously having taken the lead as well um last night um because now i think the playoffs are in are in my talk scottish football championship show co-host david buick cammy anderson friend of the podcast it's all within dunfellan athletics hands so oh wow so you're coming for corbett you're coming for cammy (laughs) you're coming for david buick is there anybody else that you want to out specifically while we're here uh, you for attacking Stephen Presley. <laughs> oh my! Right, here's something that we need to establish, Jamie. Oh, for you, fuck's sake! You're a, you're an intelligent individual. You know, you're studying at university. I've got two a degrees, ta- mate. A, a very talented writer. What is your stance on on Stephen Presley? Oh. That is an on-the-spot. I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was going to be the leave-it-on-the-stand or something. Thing. Well, I, I was going to ask you about the leave-it-on-the-stand. We'll so get to that, that. This is more important. That, that's good. I'm glad that you've you know given that some consideration. However, what about Elvis? Yeah, Presley's difficult because I'm 21 now. And so kind of when I was sort of first oh, following following hearts in like 2000... I mean, I was going to games when I was like 5, 6. And obviously, but obviously you don't really remember... Like the whole team. I remember that 2 1 win over Livy in December 2002, like it was yesterday, mate. (laughs) Fuck off. You remember remember various players of that team. And I remember obviously like like Romanov and Burley, but the kind of three, four, five players that you really stand out from that sort of time spell would be Gordon, Nielsen, Presley. Hartley, Scatchell would kind of be the, the main kind of five that I can think of off the, certainly the first five that spring to mind. So I kind of grew up watching Stephen Presley in a heart shirt and again, was still probably too young to kind of experience the kind of the, the real um, snake kind of game and, and what it meant at the time. You know, you kind of see it now where a lot of, players don't celebrate against their kind of old clubs, especially down down in England and in the kind of bigger leagues in Europe. Um, but yeah, I, I still think he's... I would probably still class him as a snake, but um, yeah, it's a difficult one for me because obviously he was he was kind of one of the first players, first Hearts players I kind of grew I'll up watching. I'll no, 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 take no. that, Jamie. No, 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 no. He's just saved his Perth to Paisley kind of cameo <laughs> because... <laughs> Had, well, he's very fifty-fifty. Well, had he, gone, fence. had he gone down your road, this would have been his maiden and only appearance. <laughs> so, you know this is the thing. Another aspect of it. Mind when Rudy just celebrated against us for Wraith, and everybody no. was like, "Rudy, what no. are you doing?" No, don't remember that. Don't I rem- do. I was there in the Wraith end. Listen, I, I, I was there, but I don't remember him. You know, thumping the chest, and I remember know. him loving life, celebrating, and he didn't know how to go. What? 
<laughs> you're I, I, you. I remember him walking off to the sidelines at Easter Road, pointing at the 51 on the back of his Dundee United top, but never mind. Yeah, I remember Stephen um, Presley lifting the Scottish Cup. Courtesy of Rudy's goal in the final. He, he practically dragged and us his there. Penalty. Oh, grow up. Honestly, I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to hear it. Right, Jamie. Leave it on Jamie, the stand. Yeah, let's get to your, your more important thoughts. What are you, I guess, kind of wanting from the hashtag leave it on the stand campaign? Do you want us to go through with it? Or are you not really that arsed like Daniel? However, I will say, Daniel, you've sort of gone back on your word because just I think it's just down to the annoyance that is caused within kind of Scottish football. This is the thing. Yes, yeah, I don't care about it at all. I don't care if they do it. It's just objectively funny how angry it's making other Scottish football fans. So if they did it, I I want them to do it not for any reasons that Hearts fans seem to want to do it, where it's like, no, fuck you, SPFL, fuck you, SFA, fuck you, Neil Doncaster. I want to do it just to see how other fans will react, because it's funny. Jamie? Thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't really care either, actually. The one thing I will say is because, again, I'm fortunate enough that I'm going to be there, I would quite like to see it happen. <laughs> see Mr. Boncaster <laughs> if he's there and just see you sort of get the close-up kind of personal. Uh, obviously, it's not on TV or that. You'll all be watching on, on the streams, but just to see kind of Mr. Doncaster and uh, and just kind of see what happens because I don't really know what to expect from it all, eh? So I just kind of want to see it happen for that reason, just to see what oh, it's see, like. Now I want it to happen for you. I want you to be there <laughs> to see it not be lifted. No, wait. So what you're what you're basically telling us is that you're going to do every single person that's listening into this is booing sort of towards Neil Doncaster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's great. There you that's go. That's a lot of booing, though. I'm not sure. <laughs> I could, I'm not sure I could single-handedly do that. There's your confirmation. That's all you need to know ahead of Saturday. Brilliant. Well, we've actually managed to drag this to a proper episode length. I'll take it because that's that's a minor miracle. I'm I'm pretty proud of my efforts there, and obviously your guys' contribution. But I was shitting myself for this, so that's good. Well, you did very very well. Uh, before we finish up, Jamie, massive massive thank you for coming on. Uh, cheers for having me on, guys. It's been good fun, considering it was such a terrible game last night. <laughs> well, I'm glad we could have made, we've made it somewhat bearable for you. Um, but yeah, if you've enjoyed listening, we are at Perth to Paisley on everything. Everything you can get us on. We're also on YouTube if you want to look at a static image. And that might change next season. Oh, teases. Big things. Uh, please leave us a review on your podcast platform. I can't even speak now. It's, this game has ruined me. Um, but yeah, we can get us everywhere. Adam, where can they get you on social media? They can get me on social media at Adam T. Kendall on every single platform known to man. What about yourself? I am at dmccarver 22 Jamie, tell them everywhere that they can get you. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jamie underscore MEC51, which may or may not be for 5-1, which I made when I was about 14. That's class, though. That's the best Twitter name of the three years. <laughs> so, yes, massive thank you. We'll be back next week to speak about the ramifications of the Inverness game, to see the fallout of the potential leave on the stand, preview the Wraith game, probably other stuff as well. But we'll see you all next time. Hashtag leave it on the stand. <laughs> <laughs>